Man, so I'm excited to be here with you guys this morning. Um, so like Ben said, I go to East Point Church uh, just off of Craft Road, just a few minutes from here. So I'm one of the lay pastors there. Um, and so I've been there for, I mean, off and on for about eight or nine years. So I guess it was in 2011 that we uh, planted East Point Church over there in Lewisburg. Um, so John Allen May is the pastor over there. For those of the, for those of you who know him, I'm sorry, I apologize. So I'm just kidding. <laughs> so uh, he's a great guy. He's a great guy. One of my, um, the favorite guys in my life, and obviously a great pastor. So and uh, so we planted that uh, in 2011, and so I was there for about two years as a pastoral intern, uh, help with the kids stuff. Um, uh, it wasn't the favorite thing that I got to do, but I enjoyed it. It was sharpening. It was a good season for me uh, just to be a part of and to serve. Um, but over that time, uh, or I guess a year into that, um, I married my wife, Sammy. So we've been married for nine years. I uh, got married in May of 2013 um, and have two kids at Landry and Ezra. So Landry is six and just started uh, first grade. So it's been a whirlwind for me, man. It's been, it's been tough. So I walked her into school the first day and, oh man, couldn't help but cry a little bit. So, and then my son, uh, uh, his name is Ezra. So he just turned three in June. Uh, but anyways, we uh, were at East Point for a couple years and just really felt the Lord um, just kind of uh, doing a work in us and preparing us for something, uh, something outside of East Point. So we ended up going uh, to Indiana, uh, just north of Indianapolis, to help plant a church up there. Uh, not a, so like it wasn't a part of East Point Church, it was a different uh, plant, but um, with Matt Brewer up, up there in Indiana. So uh, so I did the music there for about uh, three or four years, and uh, we had uh, we had Landry there, had Ezra there, and uh, and come to find out, so Ezra, uh, so when he was born, um, we found out pretty quickly um, that there was something that was off uh, with Ezra within the first couple weeks, actually. So we ended up finding out that he had uh, severe epilepsy. Um, so that uh, kind of um, put in us the, uh, the desire and, and really kind of made us move back home. You know, we loved uh, Restoration Church up in Indiana, and we loved what God was doing. But it's like, man, with this, we got to move back close to family. We have to have supportive family. So, um, and his... His initial diagnosis um, was pretty severe, um, and uh, which is why we moved back here, uh, back home. And he was given about two years to live uh, because of his epilepsy. So um, it was a severe type that he was diagnosed with, and so uh, and so we just really felt the Lord moving us back here, wanted our family to to take part in his life as long as they could. Um, but thank God that that initial diagnosis was incorrect. So he just had his third birthday um, 
in June. So he's still with us. He, uh, and we're so glad he's still with us. And he is uh, still is struggling with epilepsy um, on a daily basis. <clears throat> he has seizures you know, all the time. So it's a rough go for us, but there are a lot of lessons that we have learned, uh, that my wife and I have learned, that we walked through the last three years of his life. And that's what I want to share with you today. And basically, I just kind of wanted to share my story and share our story. And uh, so I've titled this The Discipline of Joy and Hardship. Um, And I hope this morning and that as I kind of give some testimony to this, that it will hopefully help you in your hardship, no matter how small, you know, it can be just inconveniences of the day or true, uh, true dark hardships that you walk through that, uh, man, I hope that God just kind of uses this for you today. So, and so the aim for, you know, this morning is that we would be better equipped to faithfully put one foot in front of the other, uh, no matter the hardship. And that's the one thing that I've learned, man, that as, as hardship comes, as dark days come, as bleak seasons come, man, God calls us just to put one foot in front of the other, not to quit, but to rest in him. And um, so that's what I want us to see um, this morning. And no matter the inconvenience um, or shattering darkness, and I want us to see that God calls us to be present in the moment. I don't know about you, but it's really easy for me in, in seasons of hardship to just kind of detach. I don't know about you guys if you kind of struggle with that, but it's easy to you know, get plugged into your phone or get plugged into a hobby and just kind of detach in seasons of hardship, um, but God calls us to live in the moment and to live in the reality of, of where God has us. Um, so, and the way that I've learned best to do that and, and still learning is the process of what uh, we call lament. So, uh, I'm just going to ask this. Can anybody like just define lament for me? Does anybody know just offhand like what that word what that looks like. I'll just give a few seconds and then I'll go on. So the best way that I've come to define lament is, uh, sorry, I didn't want to cut anybody off. (laughs) I want to cut him off. (laughs) That's funny. No, but so lament is just the process of, of bringing our complaints to God while we live in the reality of what's happening in our lives while holding on to the reality of the promises of God. Man, it's so easy to, um, to live in the reality of what's going on, but to just think, man, God, I don't know. I don't know what to do. I don't know... Um, you know, it's really easy for us to get discouraged, to get depressed. Um, but God calls us to live in the reality of what's happening, not to neglect it, but also to hold on to the promises of God that he's with us and that he's good and that he'll never leave us or forsake us. Um, so it's living with the reality that, 
that life is hard, but that God is good. And if that's the only thing you hear this morning, I hope that you walk away with that, that life is hard. And I know that, man, I can look across this room and look at your faces and, and I know that there's stories that can be shared. I mean, and all of you know that life is hard and life can punch you in the mouth, but also that God is good and that he is faithful. And I know that every single one of you can attest to that truth this morning. So, um, man, so lament is living with the tension of knowing that life is hard, but God is good. And even in the midst of our frustration, our sorrow, our despair, that we can throw ourselves on him and cast ourselves on him. So, um, so that's kind of defining what that looks like. But, um, but why do we lament? Like, what's the purpose of it? And I've come just to some quick truths. If we lament to reorient around the eternal, you know, if we're not careful, um, seasons of, of suffering and hardship can kind of steal away our perspective and I know for me, when we found out that Ezra had, uh, had seizures, it really just, it, it was tough. I mean, especially when we got that first diagnosis that he wouldn't live past his second birthday. It's like, God, what are you doing? Um, but learning to, to reorient around God, even if that's true, and even if that does happen, man, God, I, I, I'm going to choose to reorient my life in, around what's eternal and what um, God has promised, but we also lament to fight against apathy. Man, if it's easy in in seasons of suffering um, to become apathetic, right? Like it's really easy to withdraw and to not be in the Word, to not pray. But it's those exact seasons of suffering and despair and hardship and and inconvenience, no matter how big or small. It's in those times that it's even more important for us to be in the Word, right? It's even more important for us to find our identity in Him and to find our security in Him. Um, but we also lament to, uh, to magnify the goodness of God to a dying world. Man, that's, and I, that's so important. Man, people are watching, right? I mean, people are watching how you deal with hardship. Um, people are watching how you respond to hardship um, in an instant because uh, a lot of our life is just reactions. It's just reactions to what's happening around us. So it's important for us to have those, those healthy and those biblical reactions to hardship and just to testify to God's goodness to those who are lost and to those who, who, don't, uh, who don't have Jesus and who don't know the love of God, it's important for us to portray that in seasons of suffering so that they can look at you and they can look at me and see, man, I want to have what he has. Like, I want to have the ability to walk through suffering and to still have joy. And I hope you, that you're there this morning, that, that you can say that you can have joy even in the midst of suffering. So, um, so I just want to walk through um, Psalm 77, and I don't know if you have your Bible this morning, but if you do, um, and Psalm 77 has been a, um, man, such a, such an encouragement to me, and um, that's kind of where I got this, 
this talk from this morning and also from this book as you're turning there, um, Dark Clouds and Deep Mercy um, is where I got a lot of these ideas from this morning. And man, this has been so helpful for me. So if you know someone who who has gone through hardship or is going through hardship, or if you're there yourself, man, I would encourage you to buy this book and to read it. It really did change my perspective on 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 hardship in my life. So, <clears throat> so Psalm 77. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna read it and just walk through it, and then we'll uh, spend just a few more minutes talking about it this morning. So, uh, it starts out this way. It says, "I cry aloud to God." Aloud to God, and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. And in the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I moan. And when I meditate, my spirit faints. Selah. You hold my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I consider the days of old, the years long ago. And I said, let me remember my song in the night. And let me meditate in my heart. And then my, then my spirit made a diligent search. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? Selah. Then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. And I will ponder on all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. <clears throat> your way, O oh God, is holy. What God is great like our God. You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. And you with your arm redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. Selah. When the waters saw you, O oh God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the, the deep trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth thunder. Your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightnings lighted up the world, and the earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters, yet your footprints were unseen. And you led your people like a flock. By the hand of Moses and Aaron. And so just a few things I want us to see in, in Psalm 77 of like how we lament and what the process looks like. So um, the first step is to turn to God. And that sounds easy, right? That sounds really, look, well, duh. I mean, we turn to God in hardship. We should. But how often do you turn to your wife first, or your friend first, or your coworkers, or other church members, or you turn to, um, you know, just attaching with a hobby, just trying to find some kind of solace, right? I mean, and oftentimes our last resort is God Himself. <laughs> like He's our last resort so often, um, but He's the one. Uh, the one person that can really help us in our time of suffering. Because David says, I cry aloud to God, and aloud to God, and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. I mean, he just kind of walks through these evidences of the importance of, of turning to God. 
So he cries out to him, he seeks him, he remembers and meditates. So our tendency is to disengage in suffering. Our, our tendency is to, um, you know, to kind of become numb in, in times of suffering. But God calls us, man, just to, to feel that pain, to kind of walk through it, but also to cry out to him and to find our security in him and in him alone. Um, but the second thing I want us to see is that David complains to God. And that might sound kind of counterintuitive, or you may have heard like, hey, I don't think it's right to complain to God. That's sinful, right? You know? Um, but, but David, in verse, um, in verse 6, or no, in verse 7, sorry, he says, Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? You see these, like, these really tough questions that he's asking. I mean, like, will he again be favorable has he ceased to stop loving me because of my uh, because of my suffering has he forgotten his grace and this isn't this isn't david you know really wondering if if god has forgotten to love him but in his suffering and he's just being honest with god this is how i feel like man i feel like in this season of suffering this is where i am i feel like you've forgotten me and I feel like you have, you've left me. And if I'm honest, man, the, when we first got that diagnosis with, with Ezra, I've, man, I felt that way. <laughs> like, man, I felt like, God, where are you at? What is going on? You know, like, I, I know that you're gracious. I mean, I know that you love me and that you're with me. But it feels like you're not. And it feels like you have gone from me. And I'm, I'm sure that there are many of you in this room that have felt that way. You know, throughout this, the seasons of your life that you felt like, God, where are you? Like, what are you doing? You know, and it feels like your grace has left me and that, you're, that you stopped loving me because of this thing that's happening to me. And that's what David does. And God gives us the, the grace and the mercy to do that. You know, I mean, he gives us the, the space to come to God and say, God, I feel like you're not even here. I mean, we see, I mean, things that happened last night. We were talking at the table with the shooter on the rampage last night. Man, God, it feels like you're just absent. Like, it feels like you're not even here, you know. Um, so God gives us the space to complain to him, to bring our, our suffering, our, our questions. But the thing is, is that God as he allows us to do that, he doesn't keep us there. And praise God for that, man, that, he, that we might feel like he has abandoned us, but we know that he hasn't. And we know that because we look to the scripture. And this is what David does. So he turns to God first. He says, I cry aloud to God. So we see that instead of turning inward or turning to a friend first, he turns to God. And then he brings his complaint to God. So we see this point where he's, he's wrestling, he's sitting with this. But then in verse 10, he says, Then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. He says that I will remember the deeds of the Lord. 
and I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder on all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds because your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? So we see that he turns from this inward turmoil to remembering what God has done, to remembering who God is and to remembering I mean, we see nothing in this text from these few verses from 11 to 14 of him talking about himself anymore. This is all about God. This is what God has done. He remembers God's goodness. He remembers the days of old. That's the same thing for us this morning. That's the same thing for us that God, that God calls us to remember, to ponder, and to meditate on who God is and, and what he's done in the past because we know that he will be the same tomorrow. And amen for that. Like, I mean, I, I, I love that. And it's, um, it's been a huge thing for me um, and my wife to remember that, uh, that yes, we, uh, that we struggle with Ezra. I mean, every day we struggle with medications not working and getting a call from school saying, hey, like, he's having a seizure. What do you want us to do? All these different things that we are just going to be downright tired, you know, of kind of walking through. Um, but when we get to that point, we have to do what the writer Asaph does here, that we remember that God is good, that we remember that God is with us, and that we remember that God uh, will bring us through, Right? And that's what he promises to do. And it might not be the way that I want it to look like. And most times it's not. And you can all attest to that, that God has brought you through. And you can look back and say, that's not at all how I thought it would be, <laughs> you know. Um, but I know that because of who God has been and because of what he's done and because of his word, not just experience, but because of what we find to be truthful in his word, that's what we have to leverage our life on. That's what our foundation has to be, um, is the promise of God's word, the promise that, that he's making all things new. Um, that's what our security is, that, that even though, you know, for me, just in my world, uh, that even though Ezra might not be totally healed on this earth, um, like we want him to be, um, that the promise is not that he will be on this earth. The promise is, is that, that one day um, everything that is broken will be made right. And that everything that is evil um, will be crushed. And that we um, will one day spend eternity with Jesus um, totally healed um, totally uh, devoid of evil and brokenness. And that's what our hope has to be on this morning. So, um, and so I would encourage you, um, man, just to read through Psalm 77 um, and, and uh, to remember to turn to God, um, to remember that it's okay, that God even encourages us to complain to him, to bring our complaints, to bring our questions as Asaph does here. Um, but to know that, uh, that it's not okay for us to stay there, but that God will bring us through and that God will bring you through uh, no matter the season of brokenness or the season of hardship that you might find yourselves in this morning. So, um, so with that,
I'm not sure if y'all usually go to seven o'clock or not, but I'm I'm done. <laughs> so um, and so I will um, I'll pray for us just real quick, and I think Ben maybe might come up or okay. Well, let's pray. God, we thank you um, for this morning. God, we thank you um, for the truth of your word. Um, and we thank you for, um, God, just the fact that you are always with us, um, God, and that you are always good, no matter what we see going on around us. But we, we, we trust and we rest in the fact that you are good and that you are making all things new. And so, God, we thank you for the day that we uh, will see you face to face. And God, help us to live in that reality. Um, God, to not be, um, God, to not just ebb and flow in, in just the daily things of life, but to have an eternal perspective and to allow that to push us, uh, to motivate us to live for you. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. Thank you, guys.